All right, if you want to go ahead and find your seats, go ahead and take your seats if you would. And I want you to, at the same time, take your Bibles, and if you could open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4, we're going to stand in a moment, and we're going to read this together. And the reason that we stand is to give honor and glory to the Word of God as it reveals the person of God. So we're going to stand and read Galatians 4. So let me invite you to stand with me right now. And it's always a good time, even right now, to get your phones out and make sure they are on quiet. Make sure you mute those, because uh, I've preached about three years ago. I was preaching in the middle of a sermon when my phone went off, and I, I actually answered it. It was a friend of mine, and we talked to him for a little bit on the speakerphone, so it was kind of fun, but let's not do that today. So Galatians chapter 4. Let me read this together, and then I'm going to kind of get you ready for this sermon that you're about to hear. Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You may be seated. Now you remember, you're holding in mind this theme, the Son redeems. Jesus, the Son of God, redeems. And I probably should maybe get you ready for this in this way. Uh, If you've ever been to a restaurant and you've ordered a combination meal, a combo meal, maybe you've gotten steak and lobster, maybe you've gotten chicken and shrimp, I'm not sure, but if you've gotten a combo meal and then you got dessert at the end, that might actually describe about what you're going to receive in this message. Because I'm going to give you two entrees, points one and two, and then we're going to bring it all together with the dessert so that we can go home ready and satisfied and full. So here we go. I'm going to give you point number one, and it's the, the, uh, the Heavenly Father has sent his son to redeem spiritual orphans. Now, I'm going to bring a very big word to you, and then I'm going to break it down, and I'm going to trust that all of us are going to work really, really hard at listening and trying to grab it, and I'm going to illustrate it the best that I can. But if you go to your your Bible, if you go to Galatians chapter 4, whether you're at home or you're listening uh, through one of the Spotify or iTunes or Apple Tunes, whatever you've got. But here we go, Galatians 4, verses 4 through 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under law, and look what it says, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now, you might be sitting right there going, okay, I have no idea what this is talking about. Well, that's my job to break this down so that we can understand it. And here's one of the ways I'm going to do that. I'm going to tell you one of my all-time favorite animated movies. 
I watch a lot of animated movies. I've got four kids. All of them are 17 years old and older. And we've watched a lot of animated movies. And this is one of my favorites. It's called The Iron Giant. Now, how many of you have seen the movie The Iron Giant? Oh, we have a very uncultured crowd here. I'm really going to ask you, find a copy of The Iron Giant and watch it. It's a, an incredibly well-done animated move, movie. And I'll give you the gist of it. Here's what it is. Crash landing on Earth, a 50-foot alien robot is befriended by a nine-year-old boy who teaches him to be a hero like Superman. It's set in the 1950s, I believe. But of course, the military view this robot as a threat and they want to destroy it. So they fire a nuclear missile at the Iron Giant. Now get the tension. Here's a missile. It's been fired. It's going way up in the air. It's about to come out of the high atmosphere down to destroy this giant. But the military realizes very quickly that the robot is standing in the middle of a town full of people. And the missile is locked in on the iron giant. And the entire town is about to be destroyed. And the little boy helps the giant understand the danger, and the giant flies up into the upper atmosphere and detonates the missile by flying straight into the nuclear tip, destroying itself in the process. Now, you're about to see, as I tie it in, a hint of the gospel, a hint of this redemption Because when that missile detonates, destroying that robot, there is, in the middle of this explosion in this movie, I think it's brilliant, I think it's a, I don't know if it's intended, I hope it is, but there is a Christmas star right in the middle of that nuclear explosion. And the very final scene of the movie is the giant's head sending out a beacon signal calling for all of its parts to come to him for reassembling. You almost have a resurrection scene at the end of this movie. It's brilliantly done. Now, take that movie that I just gave you a high-level summary of, and let's bring it back to the gospel. What's in the gospel and what the threat is for all of us is not a nuclear missile. Now, listen, you've got to get this. I need you to really listen to this. I think every one of you are going to be able to understand this easily. It's not a nuclear missile headed your way. It's something far deadlier. And Jesus warns us what it is in John chapter 3. He said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. Here's the missile of the gospel. But the wrath of God remains on him. Now let me give you the bad news before I give you the good news. Because you know what? The gospel doesn't look really that good if you don't bring the bad news of the wrath of God. And if you don't get the good news, which I'm about to show you, which is redemption, then the bad news looks extremely hopeless and full of despair. Here's what is true of every single person who will not believe in Jesus. Now listen, I want to ask you before I tell you this, will you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Now, don't just tell me you believe that Jesus existed and just don't tell me that you believe that, yeah, Jesus is a pretty awesome guy. I'm asking you, 
Are you going to the Heavenly Father by believing that the Son will forgive you of your sins, that it's the only way you could be forgiven and the only way you can have eternal life? And are you willing to submit your life to Jesus as both your Savior and your Lord, giving Him the authority over your life? That's what it means to believe. If you will not do that, and I'm going to tell you, let me give you a really good pastoral warning. It's my job to do this, and I'm going to do it graciously. If you will not believe like that, then you have a missile coming toward you. And that missile is not nuclear. It's far worse. It has eternal ramifications. It has eternal consequences. It's called the wrath of God. John the Baptist who was a contemporary, he lived at the time of Jesus, he warned all the Jewish people and the Gentiles that came to him, non-Jewish people, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Even John the Baptist was telling people about the wrath of God. So it's my job to tell you very honestly, very graciously, that if you will not believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then the wrath of God is headed toward you. And yet the very next scene after John the Baptist said that, onto the stage steps Jesus, whom John baptized. And a voice from the, from the heavenly Father came from the clouds, proclaimed to Jesus, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. There is something about Jesus that pleased the Father. All right, well, I'm going to tell you what that is, but let me kind of back up a little bit. Remember, I told you I'm going to give you a combo meal and then a dessert. We're at entree number one right now. You're about to get entree number two in a moment. We're at entree number one. That's a redemption that Jesus has given to any who will believe in him. But I've got to help you understand something. God has a purpose. God has an aim. God has a goal. Here's what it is. Can everybody listen to this? God has a desire to have a very large family. Do you know that? God wants a very large family. And there's only one way for any of you and myself to come into that family. So he wants a very large family, but there's only one way to come into that family. And here's the problem. Not one person is born into that family. You do realize that, right? We're born into sin. We are children of the devil. We are children belonging in this world, what the Bible calls the domain of darkness. Nobody is born into the family of God. The only way to get into the family of God is to come through what the Bible calls adoption. It's in our text. And as all of us know, adoption is expensive. If you adopt a child today, it is extremely expensive. The last I heard, it averages $10,000. And it was extremely costly for God as well. For the purchase price, what God the Father had to, had to pay in order to adopt anybody was the sacrifice of his son Jesus. And it's what the Bible calls, here's your big word, propitiation. Now, I'm going to have everybody say that, propitiation. Can you all say that with me? 
Now, I'm pretty sure people watching this online and listening to this on their app probably did not just say it. So let me say it again. Let's all do it together. Propitiation. What is that? Now, don't let that word intimidate you. It's really not complicated. In fact, I'll illustrate it for you. Let me define it first, and then I'll illustrate it. Propitiation means averting the wrath of God by the offering of a gift. That's really all it means. Averting the wrath and the judgment of God by the offering of a gift or a payment. Now, let me give you an illustration. I don't know if a lot of you like to read, but if you like to read... Uh, you may have read a Greek mythology called the Trojan War. And in that Greek mythology, written centuries and centuries ago, Paris, that's a guy's name, he's the son of the Trojan king. He ran off with a woman named Helen, who was the wife of the king of Sparta. So we've got Paris, who takes Helen, and they run off. And Agamemnon... The brother of the Spartan king, the, white, the husband of, of Helen, Agamemnon, is assigned the job of going to get Helen back. Except he couldn't sail because the winds were blowing against him rather than for him or with him. Now here's where you're going to see a propitiation. All right, now this is really sad actually. You know what Agamemnon does? If you've read the story, if you've read the mythology, you know. He sends for his daughter, and when his daughter arrived, he sacrificed her. This is fiction. He sacrificed her as a, an offering to the goddess Artemis so that she, the goddess, would give him favor and calm the winds. And the story goes that Artemis gave him favor and calmed the winds, and he was able to sail. Now, that's a fictional example of propitiation, but let me bring it back to the real example of it. It's in the gospel. It's about Jesus. Now, here's the bad news. You ready? Now, everybody listen really closely. Because what I'm about to tell you is as true of me as it is of you. And there's not anybody here that is an exception to this. You and I were born into sin. Now listen, you weren't born holy and sinless until you committed your first sin. No, you were even a sinner according to the Bible when you were conceived when you were in your mother's womb, you were born into sin. And that means every single person has a broken relationship with God. We live out our sin nature. We live it out in rebellion, receiving the just and holy wrath of God. Now listen, if you know somebody, if you know somebody, that is living and doing drugs and living in sexual immorality and living as a selfish person, not generous, and living dependent always on everybody else and not providing for themselves as far as they are able. If you know anybody like that, what you are seeing is what sin looks like when you live it out. 
And you are a sinner and I am a sinner. Well, you might be saying, well, aren't you a pastor of a church? I am no less a sinner than you. I am in no less a need for a redeemer than you are. We were all born in sin. Now, this is the truth, and I think you're going to agree, God's justice is important. Well, okay, well, maybe you don't agree, so let me see if I can get this pressed down in your heart. If you've got somebody close to you, and a stranger comes up and gives them $100 and doesn't give you anything, how are you going to feel? Well, let me actually give you a little bit better example. Let's say that you and your coworker go out for a very long lunch, longer than what you're supposed to have, and you come back to work and you're taking advantage of your employer and you get fired, but your coworker doesn't. Well, now all of a sudden, you're going to want justice. How is that fair, you're going to say? That's not right. And you're right. You're correct. But God is always perfectly just. He's a creator. He has the right to be loved and obeyed by all of his creation. And our sin moves us to do anything but obey and love and trust him. So the creator is just to judge you. And the creator is just to judge me for our rebellion. We deserve it. There's a missile coming towards us. It's the wrath of God. And it's going to detonate. And we deserve it. There's nobody that can say they don't deserve it. You see, this is what you want to know about God. God cannot show mercy at the expense of his justice. He would not be a good God. Sin must be punished. So God provided for us at his own terrible expense the gift of his son Jesus. He sacrificed him to remove his wrath. Now, I want you to look up in the screen and you're going to read something really amazing. God does not love you because he sent his son to die for you. Do you know how many people believe that? That's not even a truism. God loves you so he sent his son to die for you. There's a big difference. It is the love of the father that sent his son. This is what John said in his epistle. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You remember what propitiation is? It means to remove the wrath of a God by offering a gift. Well, it was a gift that God the Father offered. It was his son, Jesus. Now, this is amazing because the bad news now becomes good news. Well, in case you are a little bit lost in this message, let me remind you the bad news. There's a missile coming your way. It's the wrath of God, and you deserve it. I deserve it because we're sinners. We're, rebe we're rebels. We defy God. We do what we want to do, not what God wants to do, and he has the right to tell us what to do. He's our creator. There's a missile coming. And if Jesus does not fly up, so to speak, and put his body into that missile and die, there's no way to avert the wrath of God. There is no propitiation possible. Jesus has to die in our place in order to redeem us. Well, what does redeem mean? Now, everybody look at me. I'm going to tell you really quickly what it means. 
If you're playing Monopoly and you land in jail, the only way out is if you, three ways, right? Roll doubles, pay your money, $50, or get one of those cards to get you out of jail for free. Something has to redeem you. Whether you pay for it, you roll some lucky dice, or you draw the lucky card. Something has to be done in order for you to get out of jail. That's redemption. It's the purchase price that frees you. It's what you saw in that painting. You see how the, the, the son's redemption breaks the power of sin, the chains of sin, and provides for our adoption. This is why Colossians could say this, give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. This is redemption, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. It's only through Jesus. Now, I need to say, I need to say something. If you are here right now or you're listening to this, and you think... And you were taught this, and all your life you believed this, that if you want to get saved, if you want your sins to be forgiven, then you've got to commit more good things in life than bad things. It's like one of those old scales. And it's got to tip in your favor by having more good things than bad things. Or if you thought that, you know what, I could go to church, and when I feel like God is judging me and my life's falling apart. I'm just going to start going to church and God will be really happy with me and he'll give me his favor and I'll get blessings. Listen, let me tell you something. You don't understand the death of Jesus. The fact that a missile was coming called the wrath of God and the only way to avert, the only way to be rescued from certain destruction was by the Son Jesus going into that missile and dying the death that you and I should have died. That's the only way you can be saved. That's the only way your sins can be forgiven. Something has to die, something innocent, somebody innocent, in your place. Or you are still in your sins and the wrath of God is still heading your way. All right, well, that was entree number one. And by the way, that was the big portion of your meal. I got a smaller entree. It's a combo meal. It's coming your way now. Maybe it's the shrimp. Maybe it's the lobster. But let me get to the second point. All right, the result of our redemption is adoption. The result of our, our, our redemption is adoption. All right, now, I know that some of you might be going, oh, my goodness, when is this message going to be done? I have a headache. I'm going to break it down. You and I were born sinners. We are naturally born sinners. The only thing you're going to get is the wrath of God and eternity in hell. Unless somebody rescues you, it gets you out of jail. And the only one that could rescue you is someone who lives and fulfills all of what God demands and does it perfectly and never sins. And I know you've sinned and you know I've sinned. And the only one that's ever done that, the only one that's ever been successful, the only one that's ever fulfilled the law and all of what God has required is Jesus. And the only way that his obedience can be given to you is through the cross where he was crucified. 
And then he rose from that grave. But here's where the news gets spectacular. The moment you believe that and you give your life to God through Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the very moment you are redeemed, you are bought back, you are transferred out of the domain of darkness, you are put into God's kingdom. He becomes your king, Jesus does, and the Father becomes your Father, and he brings you into his family as his children. Do you have a good father? Or do you have a bad father? Nobody has a perfect father, including my four kids. But we have a perfect heavenly father. And look what it says in verse 4. God sent forth his son, Galatians 4, 4, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law. Why? Here's the whole point of it. Here's where it's all going so that we might receive adoption as sons. All right, well, maybe you're not quite getting this yet, so i got to help you get it. I want you to imagine, remember, rather, one of the worst storms you've ever been in. I mean, thunder was, was just booming and lightning was cracking and you want crackling and you wondered are you going to survive this are you going to be able to make it through this storm and then all of a sudden the storm ends and then the sun breaks back out and you get this beautifully calm breeze stirring the air well the aftermath of the wrath of god it was detonated by the son of of god jesus he satisfied his father and the aftermath is this everybody who believes in him will have the warmth of his favor he'll have the love of the heavenly father for the father loves all that the son redeems everybody now if you have put your faith in jesus if you have believed in him the way that i've described not counting on your good works not counting on your church attendance in fact not counting on anything you've done you've just believed that the father has done it all for you if you believe listen i'm going to tell you something you are now a child of god and your heavenly father loves you with a gift with a love that is so amazing you will not comprehend it for billions of years and eternity you'll never get to the bottom of it there is no greater blessing than that of adoption well i say i'm afraid that that's underwhelming i'm afraid you're not getting this so i got to say it again and i got to ask you to believe this there is no greater blessing there is no greater blessing Friends, God has not any greater blessing for you than adoption. He is making you his son or his daughter. And the meaning of spiritual adoption is that the father has chosen to place every single person his son has redeemed into his family so that they would possess all of the inheritance, the same inheritance as Jesus. See, God's plan was to raise a family. And he's going to do it through adoption because no one's born into that family. But the only way you come into the family and get adopted is through the redemption of Jesus. That's the purchase price. And it's not plan B. 
This is the original plan of God. He was going to adopt before he created the world. Before sin ever came in, it was the plan of adoption. So how does one actually become a child of the heavenly father? Well, the Bible doesn't leave that a mystery. Listen to this. The answer is grace. John says, Jesus is speaking. To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. How do you get adopted? It's by faith in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Father adopts those who have been redeemed, and every person redeemed by Christ is adopted. They are placed into the family of God with full rights and blessings. All right, now it's easy to preach this, even though it's yeah, propitiation, it's kind of a big word. But remember, propitiation is really not that big of a word. It just means to avert the wrath of a God by giving a gift. And we've got, a, we've got a missile coming our way. It's called the wrath and the judgment of God. It's going to detonate and you're going to die and you're going to be put into hell for all eternity unless the Father sends someone to fly into the path of that missile. And Jesus, his son, did it on the cross. And it detonated on him rather than you, rather than on me. And the moment you believe, you are redeemed. You get out of jail. You get your sins paid for. And not only that, immediately you are brought into the kingdom of God. And Father gives you your adoption papers. But that's the entrees. That's your combo meal. But we still got dessert. And this is actually the best tasting part. Because here's point number three. As we wind down to a close, our Heavenly Father gives incredible gifts to all of His children. Listen, there's a tree in the shape of a cross, and at the base of it are all of these wrapped gifts. And they're for you if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You see, adoption is the heart of the gospel. And we are legally made sons and daughters of God before experiencing the blessings. We are redeemed before adopted. We are adopted after we are redeemed. But parents, I've got a question for you. And I already know the answer. Do you get more joy on Christmas morning in giving gifts or receiving them? Belt it out. What's the answer? Giving or receiving? It's giving. You get more joy. I know you do because you're wired to. It is how you image God. And when you give to your children, you get a joy that is so much deeper than when you get something from somebody else. Do you realize it's no different for the Heavenly Father? He loves to bless you. He loves to give you gifts. And here are a sampling of the gifts that he gives you because you've been redeemed and adopted into his son. If adoption is true, which the Bible says it is, and I am proclaiming that it is, then here are some of the gifts that the Father has for you, and you've got to open them by faith, and you've got to bring them into your life. And if you've just got them still sitting under the tree of Calvary, but you haven't opened them, don't, don't be surprised if you live a powerless life. You've got to open them and hear some of them. First, because of Jesus and his redemption, God's children have round-the-clock access to the Father. You have round-the-clock access to God. Listen, if you wake up at 3.30... 
Do not, and I mean do not call me because I'm not answering. You do not have round-the-clock access to me. But you do with your heavenly Father. Since then, the Bible says, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need something. You need to talk to your heavenly Father. If you have been redeemed, you've been adopted, and your Father says you've got access to me anytime you want. And I hope you take advantage. That's what he's telling you. Well, let me get to the second gift. Don't leave this one unopened. You open it by faith. Because of Jesus and his redemption, God's children are loved by the Father even as he loves Jesus, his son. That is so mind-blowing that I don't think anybody can believe this until faith begins to push it down into your heart. You are loved, child of the, the Heavenly Father. You are loved to the same degree as he loves Jesus, his son. Don't take my word for it. Take the son of God's word for it. He prayed to his father and he said, the world may know, may father help the world that they would know that you sent me and loved my disciples even as you love me. That's just not the 12, that's the 11 at that point. It's just not the 11. That's you if you believe. That's you if you've been redeemed. That's you if you've been adopted. God the Father loves you even as he has loved Jesus. You know how many Christians I work with and counsel and labor with who've never opened that gift? They know it's there, but they can't seem to believe it enough to open it. you got to open it because it's been given to you from the Father. Because third of Jesus, the Redeemer, God's children can ask the Father anything. And Jesus said, if then you are e who are evil learn, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? This is all of the beauty and the glory of adoption. If we who are sinners can give good gifts to our children, how much greater can the Father in heaven who has never sinned, who is perfect and good infinitely, give the best gifts to his children? Number four, because of Jesus and his redemption, God's children are made his fellow heirs by the heavenly Father. Here's what he says. In Romans 8, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, listen to this, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. We inherit everything. And if you don't believe it, then do you have the Spirit of God in you? Because that was a down payment. That was a taste of what's coming. And that's a pretty amazing taste. The Spirit of God who brought all things into existence by his power lives in you as a down payment, a security deposit, a guarantee. You're going to be with the Father for eternity. And his power is helping you even realize that now. Because of Jesus and his redemption... God's children have nothing to fear. Their father takes care of them. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. 
Why is it that right now in America, the number one reason people go to counseling is anxiety? And I'm going to tell you, it's not really so much rooted in your body, although that, that, that can wage war against you. It's not really a physical problem. It's a heart problem. Do you trust your father? If you've got raging anxiety, the answer is no. It's a gift under that tree, children of God, that you have not opened. You've got to open it by faith. Finally, and there are so many gifts, I'm just giving you a sampling. Finally, because of Jesus and his redemption, heaven will be a family gathering. Now, you're not going to like this one. Some of you will not like this one. Some of you are going to love it. I'll tell you who's going to like it and who's going to hate it in a moment. Here's what the Bible says. Now, you are no longer strangers to God and foreigners to heaven, but you are members of God's very own family. Citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. Now, I want you to think of something right now. Is there somebody in this church that really bothers you? You have a real hard time liking them. You have a really difficult time treating them kindly, wanting to be in a relationship with them. But let me remind you of something if you've been redeemed by Christ, you surely have been adopted. You've been brought into God's family. And if that person's been redeemed by Christ, that person's surely been adopted and brought into God's family. And guess who you are going to be with for all eternity? Yes. And God says, don't wait for eternity to start loving that person. Otherwise, you're leaving that gift under the tree. There's a lot that person could teach you even if it's to help you learn patience and mercy and kindness and love and forbearance. Now I'm going to close with a very practical step. Here's what I've done. I've given you a combo entree, propitiation, redemption, and adoption. And then we wrapped it all up with a dessert, and that is the gifts of the Father for you under the tree of Calvary. They're yours. You've got to open them by faith. I've given you all that, but how do you take all of that and then bring it into your heart? How do you take what I've said and what I've taught you into your heart where it can actually transform you? Now, I really think it's important what I've said about propitiation and about redemption and about adoption, but I'm telling you right now, I could say all of that, but if you don't do what I'm about to teach you in about two minutes, time, then it's all for naught. You've got to take it into your heart. And how do you do that? I'm going to give you a practical way to do that. And I'm going to encourage you, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you can do this. I would encourage you even right now, and if you don't have time to do it, this is all on the website. All my notes are on the website at our church. But I would encourage you to write this down. I am a child of God. It's on the screen. I am a child of God. Jesus is my elder brother. And the Holy Spirit is helping me live today to bring honor to my Father's name. Today is one day closer to the greatest family gathering history will ever know. Well, here it is again. 
I am a child of God. Jesus is my elder brother, and the Holy Spirit is helping me live today to bring honor to my, fa- my father's name. Today is one day closer to the greatest family gathering history will ever know. Now, I'm encouraging you to write this out. If you're like me, it's really difficult to memorize anything, but write it out and put it in the most prominent place that you have. And read this thing five, 10, 30, 40 times a day until you begin by faith believing it. And the moment that you will know, listen, you will know when you are by faith believing this because you will reach under the tree of Calvary and you will take those gifts and many, many more that are there that I talked about and you will begin bringing them over to your place, to your heart and opening them and living by the blessing that Father has for you. That's the transformation. And that could be yours. There is a QR code in your worship guide. If you grab the worship guide on the way in, there's a QR code in there. And there are about, I don't, I don't remember how many I've got in there. And I didn't create them. J.I. Packer did from Knowing God. There's probably 15, 16 questions that you can start asking to examine your heart. All on what we just talked about. Redemption brings forth your adoption. And the blessings of the Father are for you. I'd encourage you to take your camera on your phone, click on that QR code and start asking those questions. And talk about them with your spouse or your friends and your children and see what kind of conversation you have. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, for all that you have done for us, Father, I just am so thankful that there was that missile coming our way. And Lord, you detonated it with the body and the person of your own son who willingly, out of love for you and obedience to you and love for us, he flew into the path of the missile of the wrath of God and he detonated it with his own body, his own death. And just like in that movie, The Iron Giant, there was that beacon at the end that was calling its parts back to its head for reassembling. Lord, much infinitely more greatly, the very power of God raised your son from the dead. That is the evidence that we can have life and power in the name of Jesus. And the heart of the gospel is adoption. You are our heavenly father. We are by faith your sons and your daughters. But Father, there are all these gifts and I know so many Christians and I'm afraid maybe even I've not even opened up some of them. Lord, they are still under the tree and they are waiting there. We need to open them by faith and realize who we are. Lord, I pray that we would remember day after day after day, we have been redeemed by Jesus. We have been adopted. You have sent your spirit inside of us to teach us how to live as your adopted children. Help us to learn to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.